0: He is risen. That's what we say as we begin Easter morning. Easter is literally the highest holy day there is. It is is bigger than Christmas. And we need to celebrate it as such. Christmas really is just act one. It's just Jesus coming into the world, getting ready to accomplish what he accomplished on Easter. Easter is huge. So... What I want to do is begin by, first of all, getting your, getting your phones out in front of you, getting your Bibles out in front of you. We're going to turn to a couple of scriptures this morning. I want us to begin by looking at John chapter 20, verse 31. John chapter 20, verse 31. and the end of the almost to the end of the book of John, it says this. Actually, I'm going to back up to verse, verse 30. It said, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples which are not written in this book. The book of John, the gospel of John, it says John telling the story of Jesus. So what happened beginning with the birth of Christ, actually prior to the birth of Christ, where God was talking about coming into the world. And it gets to this point. Thank you so much. It gets to this point in John chapter 20, verse 31, and it says, But these are written. Why is the Bible written? Why is this gospel written? But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing that you may have life in His name. There's a point to believe. There's a point in church, there's a, there's a point to Easter beyond the, just the, the coming and dressing up and the chocolate and the bunnies and all this kind of stuff and the flowers and the cross. There's a point of, of scripture, there's a point of worship. What is the point of that? The point of that is to know the Messiah and to have life in his name, to have life. That's the point of all of this is to understand essentially what life is all about, to have Real life, that's the name of the church, to get it, for things to click, for things to connect. And on Easter, this this long story that we've been reading that starts in Genesis and goes to Revelation is coming to fruition. Life is here. Reason to celebrate is here. And we're going to look at what what those reasons are this morning saying so that we may believe, so that we can understand what life is. In Romans chapter 10, it talks about kind of the basics of what salvation is. In Romans 10, 9 and 10, you've probably heard this before. It's part of something called the Romans Road. But it says this, yeah, you tell someone, how do you become a Christian? What does it mean to follow Jesus? It says in Romans 10, 9 and 10, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord... And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead because that's a pretty serious aspect of what's happened in Easter. If Jesus was just any other man and there had been many men that had been crucified, literally for for people that had risen up against Rome, there was one point at which they had tried to make a point to say you don't rise up against Rome, Rome gets its way there was this rebellion that rose up where they literally crucified so many people that they lined them up about every quarter mile, if you will, from here to Atlanta. Just down this big, long road, people hanging on crosses, being crucified. That was the point that Rome was trying to make. And people would walk by and they would see that death and they would see those people on the cross and they would say, we don't mess with Rome. And they would feel the the power, if you will, of Rome over them, that oppression, that fear. But here we have something different because Jesus wasn't like any other person that hung on a cross. This was something that he willingly did, that he took upon himself the world's sins and died for them as a sacrifice so that we could be forgiven that our old life would be gone, and that we would have a new life in Him, that we would understand what it means to be forgiven, and that we would understand what life is really all about. So he says, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, showing that He was who He said He was, this is God, no one else has been able to raise themselves from the dead. If you believe this, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. So the story was written so that we would believe, so that we would we would understand that we would grasp what the deal is with this resurrection. Let's take a look at one of the accounts in the book of Luke. We're going to look at Luke chapter 24. And the end of Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, we all see a perspective, we all see someone looking in and telling the story, Matthew and Mark and Luke and John. Let's look at Luke's account. And in Luke chapter 24, verse one, it says, "But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb. They went to the tomb, taking the spices that they had prepared. They went to go ahead and kind of do final preparations on what they expected to be, a dead, lifeless body. Yeah, Jesus meant a lot to them, but they didn't at this point grasp it. He had already told them in advance what was going to happen, but they go to the tomb getting ready to finish preparing his body for burial. But when they get there, it says they found that the stone was rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And while they were perplexed about this, what is going on? They said, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and on the third day rise. And then it says, Then they remembered his words, and in returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and all the rest. See, the eleven, the other disciples had been gathered in, kind of in hiding, if you will, afraid of the Jews, thinking that they were going to be coming after them next. Understanding what had always happened when a rebellion had occurred in the past. Crosses lined up, death along the road. Not this result. This was different. It says, "...they remembered his words, and returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven that were hidden out, right? All the rest." It says, "...now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with them, who told these things to the apostles." But I love this next verse. It says, but these things, these things seemed to them an idle tale. It seems too good to believe it. It's too good to be true. How could this really happen? You ever experience something that just seems too good to be true? You know, typically we see these things on TV commercials you know, or someone calls to give you some kind of offer over the phone, and it's just, it's too good to be true. And we say that because that's usually the case. It's not true. It just looks flashy. It looks like it's good. But in this case, it really was true. It says, but Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping in and looking in. He saw the linen, the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. Wow. But what we, what we have to really understand here this morning and what Easter is about is, number one, celebrating this, but we have to understand what it is we're celebrating. You know? What is it that's so amazing yeah, they, they got to see Jesus. They were with him. They saw him on the cross. They saw him die. And then later on, you see the fact that he's risen from the grave. And that's amazing. That's cool to see some, some dead guy come back to life. It wasn't just some dead guy, okay? But what does that mean? There's more to it than just someone coming back to life. It has a, has a meaning for us. It's a very special meaning for us that, that helps us to, get, to realize that this really is true. This is amazing thing is true. What does it mean personally for us that Jesus rose from the grave? Let's take a look in Romans chapter 6. Again, use your Bible app, if you will, or do some Googling and turn to Romans 6 verse 3. If you have your Bible in front of you, even better. Romans 6, 3. Let's take a look at this. I'm going to try to take it a little... A little slower, so we can take in a little bit of theology here. Romans 6.3. This is interesting. It says, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Now again, baptism, I want you to understand the picture If you've been baptized before, some of us have been been sprinkled, some of us have been dunked or whatever, but the, the traditional understanding of baptism is taking a piece of white cloth and dipping it in purple dye, for example, and pulling it back out. And that entire cloth is different. It's not white anymore, it's purple. it says we're baptized into something, there's a change that takes place. And as Christians, those who who have decided to follow Jesus, who have asked for forgiveness of their sins and are following him, we have been baptized into Jesus. And what does that mean? It says this here. That all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death we were buried, therefore, with Him by baptism into death. In order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Jesus, essentially, according to this passage, we died with Him. And... According to this passage, it says, we were risen with him. That sounds kind of odd. You know, Easter's about Jesus rising from the grave, right? But see, what happens is, and what we're going to look through here, is that we needed to die as well, that there's, there's parts of our life that are not good. There are things that needed to be done away with. The sin in our life, the garbage in our life. And it says that basically when Christ died, that we died with him, that that old life, the old self, is gone. And we've been raised with Christ, it says, to walk in newness of life. A brand new life. That's what we're celebrating today. Something died and now we have a new life. This is very minimal in comparison, but it's just the most recent thing in my life that helps me to kind of think through this. We, we've been Diane and I've been looking at pictures, at things. What do I wear? This, that, and the other. And so, like, basically, 60 pounds ago is like fat Lance. You know, I've lost so much weight that I actually had to get a new wedding ring. I had to downsize the wedding ring here to get one that would stay on my finger. Okay. That, there's, a, there's an old lance, and there's like remnants of him, like even in my closet, okay? There's a lot of big shirts and pants that don't fit any longer. That lance is gone, hopefully to stay gone, right? And there's this new life that I have where I'm actually able to wear this nice shirt, by the way, that Kelsey got me for Christmas, I can wear different shirts, I can wear different pants, I can bend over without feeling a big gut in my face, I can, I can run, I can, I can do all these different kinds of things that I couldn't do before because the old Lance is gone and there's a new Lance. And it's funny because there are places that I'll go that people will look at me that I know know me and I know them and they'll just keep on walking because they don't even recognize the new Lance. All they've ever known is that old Lance. But see, what happens is, as Christians as well, when Jesus changes your life, there's, there's an old, you know, Lance as well that people knew that's no longer there, who's dead and buried and gone. Because when I started following Jesus, my sins were forgiven, I have a, a new life. It says that we might walk in newness of life. What's really cool about this aspect of Jesus dying on the cross and raising from the grave is that, let's continue on, it says, For if we have been united with him in a death like his, this is in verse 5, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. No longer enslaved to sin. Meaning that sin, and this is this is amazing, no longer has power over us. Hopefully this morning theology will take some actual root, some actual meaning this morning when we celebrate the resurrection. Sin doesn't have any more power over us. To use the same illustration, there are foods that had power over me, okay? I couldn't pass the Bojangles on the way to work without stopping, okay? I like, love to get the, loved past tense, to get the, um, the, the deep fried steak in a biscuit kind of thing. And then I would add egg, and then I would add cheese, and all kinds of stuff. McDonald's had power over me, the, the double cheeseburgers okay, they're so cheap, let's get a few, why not, okay, there's desserts, there's pizza, there's all kinds of stuff, not that I don't eat some of those things, but there was a a power that was held over me, sounds silly, kind of goofy, right, but it no longer does, I can, I can look at those things and not feel under that power. In the same sense, but in a greater and more, obviously, more meaningful sense, sin no longer has any dominion over us. No longer has any power over us because of what Jesus did. Because of what Jesus did, we actually can have freedom from those things. I can live a, a new kind of life. I don't have to live that sinful kind of life. And the reason that I don't want to is because it seems attractive at first, you know. I, I, you know, to this day, I would love to throw down some double cheeseburgers and all that kind of stuff, but I know the results of it for me. I have the kind of body that if I eat that stuff, not everybody does. Some of y'all could just throw down, it wouldn't make a difference. But for me, what happens is I just get bigger and bigger and I become miserable. <laughs> but sin has No dominion. It says that 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 body has died. It says, for the one who has died has been set free from sin, in verse 7. The one who has died has been set free from sin. Dead people don't party. They can't because they're dead. I'm like, think literal death here for a minute, okay? If you're dead to something, you know, dead people don't party. Dead people aren't tempted by chocolate. It just doesn't happen because they're dead. Sin does not have any dominion, no power over us because of what Jesus has done by raising from the grave. The cross paid the price being risen from the grave shows power over sin and power over death. No more dominion. I want to take a look at that a little closer, kind of flip the page or turn a little bit later in your where you're at. We're going to look at Romans eight. Romans 8:11. 8, Want you to understand a little bit more what's happened. So, so there's no more power in sin. But then this is interesting. In Romans 8:11, it says, "If the spirit of him, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to immortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you." One of the most challenging things to understand, mysterious things to me in some way, if you start to think about practicality of it, is that when someone is a Christian, when someone follows Jesus, the Bible teaches that his Holy Spirit comes and indwells us. That we essentially have God with us wherever we go. And what this is saying is is that we have the power of God with us wherever we go. The same power that rose Christ from the grave in some mysterious way and, and dwells us, goes with us. So when we wonder about how are we going to deal with this situation in life, or how are we going to deal with that situation in life, we have the power of God moment by moment. That's why I, I often wonder about other people that I encounter and I wonder, but how do you, how do you go through life w- without Christ? I don't think I could do it without the strength of God with me, moment by moment. So sin has no more power. But we have power to live this life because of the Spirit of God. Now I want to turn to another passage that, that I've, I don't think I've ever heard anybody preach on. But I want us to touch on this because this is quite frankly just pretty darn cool. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 35. So there is this there is a story that in scripture that we read where the Sadducees at one point came up to Jesus and they asked him this question trying to trip Jesus up. There were Pharisees. These guys, the ones who were kind of legalistic, you know, and they had to check off all the kind of boxes if you were going to be spiritual. But then there were the Sadducees and they were a different group. And you've probably heard this stupid, silly joke before, but they did not believe in the resurrection, which is why they were sad, you see. Right, padach, okay. That's how you can tell the difference. They did not believe in the resurrection, and so they asked Jesus, you know, if the, this, this husband and this wife were married and the husband dies, the Jewish tradition or law was, was that the brother then would go ahead and step in and he would marry the wife because during that period of time, that's how they continued to take care of the wife. He said, so this carried on where each brother died, that, you know, seven people died. And he says, at the resurrection, whose wife will she be? And Jesus was like, you don't get it at all. It's people are not married in the afterlife, basically is what he was saying. You don't get it. You don't quite understand. And so this passage here actually gives some insight in what takes place in in resurrection. I thought we'd look at that. 1 Corinthians fifteen thirty-five, But someone will ask, because one day you're going to die, another, and when Christ comes back, you're going to be raised from the grave. That's what the Bible teaches. You will have eternal life with him forever. Okay? And this kind of describes, what does that, what does that mean? What does that look like? Someone will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? You know? Kind of a, you know, what will we look like? (laughs) What kind of body will it be? And he says, you foolish person, what you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And what you sow is not the body that is to be, but a bare kernel, perhaps of wheat or of some other grain. But God gives it a body as he has chosen, and to each kind of seed, its own body. Before we continue on, for in other words, if you take... um, um and you plant how many of y'all have planted a garden yeah some of us typically just buy the, the the little plants but if you were to start with a seed okay tomato seed does a tomato seed look like a tomato <laughs> if you had in your hand a None of those seeds that you plant look like what they will become, is what he's saying. And he's saying that this earthly body that we have is just like one of those seeds. That it's, it's no representation of actually what it will become. You're like, huh, well, what is that, you know, that's interesting. But it says, but God gives it a body as he has chosen, and to each kind of seed its own body. For not all flesh is the same But there is one kind for humans, another for animals, another for birds, and another for fish. There are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies. But the glory of the heavenly is of one kind, and the glory of the earthly is of another. There is one glory of the sun and another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars. For stars differ in star and glory. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown perishable, in other words, we're going to die, okay, what is sown perishable, what is raised is imperishable. When we are risen from the grave, there is no longer any death, is what that's saying. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory, it is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. And it goes on through there, and I don't want to confuse you this morning, but you know, it's just cool because Jesus, we see him after he's risen from the grave, showing up and appearing to, to all kinds of people, just popping up, like, hey, disciples. How's it going? But still having a fleshly body. So different. Pretty pretty incredible. So sin has no dominion. We have power to live this life. We have a we have a new body. Okay? Or we will in in, in one at one point. But like we looked at the beginning in Scripture, we have to live by faith. I want to take a look at First Peter. We're almost done. 1 Peter chapter 1 if you would turn there. We're going to look at verses 8 and 9. Without faith this morning, all this stuff is just words. It's just interesting you know, you can, you can sit in a history class and learn all kinds of things about the past, but that doesn't mean that it's changed your heart and your life, you know. We can hear all kinds of things about Scripture. We can hear all kinds of things about Jesus, but without faith. The Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. Without actually faith in the resurrection from the dead, it, it's meaningless to you because you've done nothing essentially with that information. The power of God can't affect your life, can't change your life, unless there's been a moment where you say, yes, I, I believe, I place my faith in Jesus. I will, from this point forward, I will follow you. So faith is, is essential. In First Peter 1, 8 and 9, it says, though you have not seen him, we haven't, we haven't seen Christ with our own eyes. This is, this is based on faith, There are many that have. But it says, though you have not seen him, you love him. and Though you do not see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. Obtaining, it says, the outcome of your faith, which is what? The salvation of your souls. That's the outcome of your faith. Faith is required for all of this. One of the things that's, we're, we're going to close with this, to me that's fascinating about the resurrection of Christ is that prior, prior to Jesus going to the cross, prior to Jesus raising from, from the grave, he, uh, we look at and see the story of Lazarus. And Jesus loved Lazarus and, and, and Lazarus' family, and he heard that Lazarus was sick, and it says that he waited around a couple of days even before going to see him. Because he had a reason. He wanted the people to see what was going to happen next. And as Jesus gets the news that Lazarus has actually died, he's on his way to go to see him, and, and his, Lazarus's, one of Lazarus' sisters meets him kind of coming into town. Basically says, you know, if you had been here, this wouldn't have happened. Kind of goes into town, same kind of thing from his other sister. If you had been here, this wouldn't have happened. And you can see at that point, there's just this this sense of of darkness because if you've ever lost somebody, you know it, it feels you feel helpless. There's there's nothing that could be done. If only a lot of if onlys. If only we had done this. If only we had done that. And there's different things in life that seem difficult, different kinds of things that seem like, I don't know if we will ever overcome this. I don't know if things will ever get better. And then it gets to the point of death, and it's like, well, no one can do anything about this. Jesus, if only you had been here. It's over with now. It's done. How am I supposed to live with this? How are we supposed to, to go through with this? And Jesus Literally, when he shows up and does what he does, because I believe most of you know the story of Lazarus, he literally raises Lazarus from the grave. Lazarus comes forth, he comes hobbling out, wrapped up in grave clothes to the point that they have to take all those, stuff, all those things off of him. Lazarus thought he was dead, his sisters thought he was dead, but because of Jesus, he wasn't any longer. And Jesus when we, what we understand about Jesus is when we think that things are at their completion, when we think that things are over with, when we think that things can't go on, when we think that there is something in our life that cannot be overcome, Jesus says, hold on a minute. You haven't brought it to me. He shows that with Lazarus, and then, as in, in the greatest event of all time, he raises himself from the grave. The story of Christ is about life, but it's, but it's a story of overcoming everything because there's nothing worse than death because that's the end of it, right? We compare things with death all the time. Yeah, that was a crazy thing, but I could be dead. So we're like, whoa, well, that's perspective, you know? Blah, 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 but I could be dead. You ever said that before or thought that before? And Jesus goes, to the ultimate thing that we can do nothing about, that we cannot overcome. And he overcomes it. And says that there is literally nothing in your life that cannot be overcome. There's literally nothing in your life that cannot be changed because of the power of God. says you can have a brand new life because of me. There is nothing that cannot be overcome. In John 20 again, but these things are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in His name. The kind of life we're talking about is a kind of life that overcomes because of Christ you stand with me? Lord Jesus, we, we thank you for what the resurrection means. Lord, it is the ultimate victory. It is you showing us and reminding us that you overcame death, that you, because of you, we can overcome anything by the power of you. Lord, help us to understand what it means as Christians that that our old life is gone and that we have this new one. Because of the power of your spirit that mysteriously dwells in us day by day, Lord, help us to understand that. Lord, I pray that today that more than ever we would understand the power of the resurrection we would grasp how real that is in a moment-by-moment basis, that we would understand. Lord, today I I pray that, Lord, if, I always want this opportunity, if anyone's here that hasn't made that decision, Lord, that they would, Lord, that today that they would choose to believe in you, they would choose to follow you. Lord, because that is the only life that makes any sense. You're the one that made us. You're the one that put us together. You're the one that knows how to have the very best life. So, Lord, today we, we just thank you for what you've done. We thank you for forgiving us. And, Lord, we renew our commitment to follow you and to love you and to serve you with all our hearts. Lord, we thank you that today that we're, we're reminded that you've risen from the grave. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, amen.